Marriage on a Tightrope supports couples in strengthening their mixed-faith marriage. Visit tightropemarriage.org to make a recurring donation and learn more about the mixed-faith community. Hello and welcome to Marriage on a Tightrope. I'm Alan. And I'm Katie. And we're still married. This week's episode is a fun one. We have a, a guest coming, which we'll introduce soon. But we had a few announcements that we wanted to make. A few meetup announcements first. So Katie, can you uh, can you walk us through? We had a, our first official meetup just recently. We had our first meetup in Utah County in Lehigh and we had 35 people show up. It was really, really great. Holy cow. It was like the best sacra meeting you have ever been to. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what it felt like. We I um, even said the prayer on the food. I Alan gave his, his uh, Everyone got secular, food, food sickness after. Secular prayer. Uh, it was incredible. We had so much support there. Everyone showed up, and at first it was a little awkward, but after we got dinner and everyone got to talk, and then we just went around the room and had everyone introduce themselves and tell them a little bit about them, and everyone got to hear each other's stories, and then after we had dessert, and that's really when the magic happened. You yeah, know, people, people exchanged, exchanged phone numbers. Oh, and That was so cool to see. Yeah, it was great. It was, I, I think I posted about this on Facebook. Facebook and Instagram, but afterward I felt, I told Alan, like, it felt like this really big, proud parent moment where I saw everybody who had all this pain inside them and that they were, like, coming together and they were sympathizing and empathizing and they were hugging each other and they were exchanging phone numbers so they could get together. Like, it, it like, seriously brought me so much joy. And this is why we're doing it is because we want you to have resources in your area, people you can talk to. There were people that came down from Salt Lake County to Lehigh, which is totally fine. And um, it just was such an enjoyable night. And one of the comments on Facebook that I loved was that um, she like went to church the next day feeling super confident and knowing she wasn't alone. And it just changed the way that she, the day that she had at church, which is like so powerful to me. So thank you to all you people who came to Utah County meetup. We've got two more meetups, um, locked and loaded, ready to go. The first will be Saturday, October 12th, 2019. 5 p.m. Probably go to between 8 and 9 p.m. Depending how long-winded you are. But people, you can show up and, and leave whenever you would like. Uh, that will be in Davis County. And uh, we do have a location. It's in Syracuse. Mm -hmm. uh, you can go to our Facebook page. Go to the events tab. Either on your phone or, or on a desktop or Apple or whatever device that has internet with Facebook. And go to the events tab. And please RSVP just so we have an idea. Know how many chairs to set up. And pretty soon there, you'll see a genius sign up as well so that you can um, offer to bring something. Last time we had, I mean, it was great. People was brought perfect. stuff and it was the perfect amount. And it was it was good. Yeah, it was. And um, let me tell you, if you are listening and you're not on Facebook, you can send us an email and we'll send you the address. If you if you don't want to get on Facebook and, and register for the event, you can do it through us. So that's totally um, valid also. At our last meetup, we had a few couples there who had never listened to the podcast, but they were um, We friends. promptly kicked them out <laughs> of the house. I'm just Blasphemy. Uh, no, so friends had invited them to come to meet other people who were in the same space. And I hope they had a great experience, but please do the same. If you're in Davis County... 
um, and you want to bring a friend in the same place or space and they've never listened to us, no big deal. Bring them along. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is invited. So we have that one in Davis County. And then the second one we just announced, it's Saturday, November 2nd, and it's the Southern Utah Meetup. And that is for St. George. It will be held in St. George. We already have a venue. And so anyone who's in the surrounding area, Cedar City, Vegas, Anywhere, please come. We're going to do that Southern Utah meetup, and that will be a lot of fun as well. Yeah. If you happen to be in the area and you're not from St. George, that's fine. We had two St. George couples at the Utah County County meetup, and that was completely fine. Yeah. So if you happen to be down there or in one of the surrounding areas, like Katie said, then please join us. And same thing, go RSVP for that uh, meetup as well. Uh, Last last meetup and a lot of meetup talk, um, there's been a fundamental shift in in our focus on the podcast and it's to really try hard to connect with, uh, connect other couples together. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we urge and beg you to use the map, (laughs) go to the Facebook page and look up the mixed faith couples map. Um, it is, we've, we've received a few emails, a few text messages from people that have said, um, I went and found someone that lives like less than a mile away from me, and I text the guy because he put his phone number up on that map. Uh, we would like everyone to put some way to contact you, whether it's message me on Facebook or email or text, and we're having lunch tomorrow. And it's literally the only person in his entire town that he knows that's in the same situation, and it's so helpful. That's the magic of the map. Yeah, something... Dora was right. <laughs> the map is magical. Uh, something else about the map that's really cool is I've been able to look and see where we have a lot of people, a lot of couples, yeah. because we are going to do an out-of-state meetup, and our first one we put on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, <laughs> it's actually really funny. I had originally put just the highest concentration, so Seattle, uh, Idaho Falls, Mesa and Austin, Texas. So I put those four up and so many of you are Mesa fans. So I don't know how y'all are getting our podcast or you're just passing it around, but there, I mean, Mesa is winning by a lot. Uh, Rachel Katz Cooper put Disney World in there and it's, in it's third like place. the third place. So hey, Texas. I will totally do. I would totally do Disney World. I think that would be super fun. But so um, you can go on our Facebook page and vote for where you would like it next. Uh, It looks like it might be a Mesa because we have so many people who want us there. But Austin's a good choice, too. And add in if there's someplace that we haven't listed, add it in. Um, We would love to get to as many of you as we can and especially kind of get you together and so you could see the power and magic of having this type of meetup because it's so cool. It's a lot of fun. Um, Before we get to the episode, the last last thing really to say is... uh, Because of that this shift of, of our efforts, a lot of the efforts are not behind the microphone. It's it's when the microphone is off trying to connect people, setting up these meetups. Um, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of time. Uh, we've actually, uh, because of all the time we've spent on the podcast, I, I guilt bought some concert tickets for our whole family to go to next Thursday because we... Uh, I really, we really, Katie and I talked about it. We just, we need some, some good family time. So we certainly have to hit pause, but, uh, we put a lot into this, uh, and it's 
nothing that we regret because we absolutely love every person we talk to. We, we've seen so many people um, just ecstatic to hear that someone else is experiencing this. So we, that's why we're connecting people. But along with what goes with that is all of the effort that we put into it. So especially as we start venturing out of state, um, that's going to take more of our time and more of our resources and money to, to help with that. So if you would like to um, help us with, with that effort, we, we really would appreciate it. Uh, everything, every donation that we receive, we put right back into the podcast. We don't take anything back um, to to do do anything with on our own. It's all to support you guys. So if you would like to make a single donation or a, a recurring donation, you can go to marriageonatightrope.org and click on the donate tab and set that donation up there. Um, we would love uh, for you to be able to do that if you can. If you're not in a position to do that, we completely understand. We love receiving emails, uh, Facebook messages from you all as well. And so as we are just about to kick it off over to our interview, uh, we'll leave you with that impassioned plea. Was that impassioned, Katie? That was impassioned. And let me tell you, coming down the pipeline, you guys, over the past couple of days, we have secured some crazy interviews. And I can't even tell you, like, I have goosebumps because we... Don't say it. Don't tell them who. I won't tell them who. But we, like, reached out to, like, these sort of lofty gold people that we really wanted on. And we, we kind of did it all in one, within a couple of hours. Within like, a couple oh, hours how about these six, seven people? That we would really love because they would be amazing to interview. And very guess what? Interesting. They Every all single said yes. one of them said yes. So oh we, my we're gosh. very excited about the interviews that are coming uh, very, very soon. And, um, guys, there's so much, there's so much in the works right now. I can't, like, I can't give anything away, but let me tell you, we have been like, so working so hard to try and just connect the right people with the right audience. And these are the right people. And we have these future projects coming up and like, I don't know, I feel like we were so overloaded over the summer and like July we took off and August I was like, I don't know if I want to go back to it. And now I kind of feel like I have like a second wind and uh, we are putting a lot of time into this because I just like believe in it so much. And um, anyway, and when you see something you've created that has helped other people that you're so proud of, you just want to keep going. And I think that that's how we feel. We just want to keep going. So there's your teaser. I like seeing you all gung ho about things. I'm it's so gung ho right now. And it's, we're literally it's recording at it. 1220 at that's night. That's right. All right. Thanks, Katie, for all that. Like, I think, was my, was my thing more impassioned than yours? Probably. You're just... You don't sound as tired when you're tired. I'm so tired. Oh, poor baby. <laughs> All right. We hope you enjoy this interview, and best of luck on the upcoming uh, general conference. Enjoy. Now we're going to get to the meat of this episode, where we bring on a wonderful guest. This is actually the second time that Claudine Gallagher has been on the podcast but Claudine, we didn't release the other one. It yeah, that's up, right. That's it right. It ended up being a little personal. Uh, uh-huh. I weaseled my way into a little coaching session. <laughs> that was <laughs> what it ended up being. But thank you so much for joining us again. And I promise we'll release this one. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. <laughs> it's wonderful to be here with you guys. You guys, we met Claudine in person last oh, March and um, we met her in Santa Barbara and we got to meet with a post-Mormon group and uh, she has a lovely family, lovely home, lovely friends who took care of our kids so that we could sit and talk for a while. And anyway, I would like, love, Claudine, go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners and just tell us a little bit about you and what you do for a living. I'm Claudine Gallagher. I'm an only child. <laughs> and it was my claim to fame in Mormonism in right. some ways, but I did not grow up in the church. I actually grew up without religion in my home. I joined the church when I was 19. I was very close to my great-grandmother as I was growing up, and she died in my arms when I was 15. Mm. And that actually sent me on a journey, really, to understand death. In the process of exploring, I actually ended up going to an LDS funeral and became very intrigued by Mormons. Yeah. Uh, missionaries came knocking on my door a few minutes or a few months later, and we started engaging in dialogue. And at 19, I joined the church, and then I went to BYU, and I got married in the temple. And which one? Seattle. Oh, cool. Yeah. Seattle because that's where you are from or your husband? Mm -hmm. Actually, both of us. Okay. That's where we met. We both actually went to the same high school <laughs> and uh, knew of each other, had mutual friends, but it was really a little bit later. We got to know each other better. Yeah. So I, I went out to BYU, really just went all in. Uh, as best as I knew how, you know, still always found Mormons very intriguing <laughs> because it's different when you don't go through primary and young women's, mm -hmm. you know, They're peculiar people. Yes, that's right. A peculiar people. <laughs> fascinating, you know, <laughs> so fascinating. Um, but raised my family uh, Mormon, and it wasn't until a few years ago, right after one of my children, my middle son, went on a mission, that my my oldest son was very, very depressed. And I knew he was. I just didn't know all the reasons. And it turns out he had read some things with regard to church history that were very troubling to him. And he, um, he just didn't know how to tell us. He couldn't tell us and he couldn't not tell us. So he just shut down and he was sleeping like 20 hours a day. It took him several months to begin to open up and for us to create safety. And, you know, eventually I began to understand where he was and what had happened and began to do my own research. What I discovered was not what I expected. And, you know, I totally understand everybody has their own interpretation of church history and what it all means. But it, it was quite a trying time for us, for our family. And um, both my husband and I, ended up losing our testimony, I guess you can say. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, in the truth claims of the church. <laughs> and so um, we have not been attending for a few years. We still have many friends that are LDS, and we have family that are Orthodox believers and nuanced believers. One of the things that really helped me kind of get through it all was some a life coach school, actually. <laughs> but as I uh, learned a little bit about some of the skills that they taught, um, it totally changed my life. <laughs> and it helped me so much that I really wanted to be able to share those skills with other people. So I got certified as a life coach. And now that's really what I do. I try to help people um, both in and out of the church. Most of who I help is in the post-Mormon realm, but I do work with people that are, I would say, nuanced believers as well. I'd be open to work work with Orthodox believers, but generally they don't want to work with me. Right. <laughs> so, uh, which yeah. is which is silly because you are such a good coach, and so I think because I don't ever feel like when I've talked to you, I don't ever feel like I'm being judged or there's a bias. I feel like you are such a good coach that if I hadn't have known like where you stood, mm-hmm. I, it, it really would not have, I would have never known, right? Like it, it wouldn't have made a difference to me. It flows from you too. Cause I remember when I, I text you, Hey, we have this idea for an episode. Would you be interested? Here's the topic. And your response was yes. And, and how do you feel? And you started going right into it. <laughs> and I was, and I was like, Oh wow, it's starting. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I like I want to I want to say that to the listener any of you listeners who are orthodox you are nuanced your members you're believing you're in um this is a a coaching session with Claudine and yeah. and I hope that you can listen without any any biases about her or any of the things that we talk about because she is a great great coach. So anyway, and that's, Thank you. that's Thank actually, you. yeah, I wanted to give you some credit on the episode that we really, this coaching session we did last time, because the reason why it wasn't released is it was just me and Claudine and it ended up just turning into a very personal session where I talked about things that I would even have to go listen to it. I still have the recording. It got into things that we, Katie and I hadn't even talked about. So it didn't feel like that should be publicized without talking to Katie first. So anyway, just to, to explain why uh, to people why that didn't ever come out, but this one will. And now, Katie, why don't you introduce uh, the topic? Because there's been a number of people on our Facebook group who have been talking about something coming up next weekend and how to deal with that. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I think this this um, episode's going to release on Monday, and and this week and the weekend coming up is is conference weekend, and so much of our traditions and well, culture is tied to traditions, right? And so um, I know that a lot of people are struggling with the fact that conference is coming. You know, what do I do? What does Alan, what does Alan feel comfortable with me doing? Can we watch conference? Is it going to be a struggle? How do we approach it with our kids? How do we make it 
not so sad or upsetting for us? How do we create new traditions around it? There's, there's just, so this is like fully loaded general conference. And in our own Facebook group, we've seen a lot of people talk about what they're going to do in order to make their conference general conference weekend, a good one rather than something that's going to be hard or they're trying to avoid. So that's the topic that cool. we really wanted to discuss with Claudine. But I think it's going to be pretty simple. I think basically what you're going to say is that I, as the man and father <laughs> of the household, get to decide what happens, right? Isn't that... Isn't that no? I, I'm slapping him as, as he speaks. <laughs> Just kidding. So anyway, we'll turn it over to you to start uh, asking questions or uh, start explaining uh, how can a couple go about, and specifically we can talk about us, how can we go about navigating what could be a difficult weekend for some couples? Yeah, so Katie and I talked a little bit on the phone about this the other day. And I did. did. (laughs) Yeah, so, and I asked her, you know, what was important to her about conference? What did she want out of that weekend? I think what's important to me is I really love, I really love like our traditions surrounding it. I love that on Sunday we make cinnamon rolls and we get up in the morning and, mm-hmm. and we all sit down in front of the TV and we turn it on and we're in our pajamas. And, you know, Saturday's usually busy anyway because we've got baseball and so many other things. So we don't really get to listen on Saturday, but Sunday it, it like, it's, it's like, it's like we're all coming together to do something together. You know, there, I feel like it's important that my kids know who leaders are in the church and listen to talks or beautiful music, or it's just something like that I've always enjoyed doing with my family. And Mm -hmm. in April, we completely avoided it by going out of town. And, and I mean, I mean, that we can't always be out of town every conference weekend, right? <laughs> right. That's just not... Well, it's family vacation every six months. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Oh, I'm going to quote you on that later. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's, that's one of the reasons why it's important to me. Yeah, so you like the tradition in part. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you said that it's important to you that your children know more about the leaders of the church. Yes. Yeah. So tell me more about that. What's important to you for them? Like for, for them to know from the leaders? Yeah. Or just like, what is your goal for them in hearing from the leaders? I think overall, the majority of the messages are like tender. They are, they will talk about service. They'll talk about Christ. They'll talk about um, kind of all sorts of things. And I feel like as, as a youth anyway, like I used to sit there with my journal and write down notes and Mm. I would listen to things and then I'd write it down. And then I tried to remember them later. And so I guess like I have this (laughs) idea in my head that maybe my kids will, you know, be like really good listeners and they'll (laughs) hear something that will maybe make a difference to them, Mm. um, or will be thought provoking. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a stretch because of the ages, but um, my 13, 11, 7, and 5-year-old, um, I know that sometimes it's just a circus. So I don't 
I don't really know how much they're getting out of it as much as I would like for them to get something out of it. Mm-hmm. So some, some sort of like reinforcement of a principle about Christ or service or love or compassion or any of those things. Yeah. So, so it sounds like a couple of things. I mean, you like the time together. Mm-hmm. You like the, just the, the tradition. I know you said on the phone with me, um, pajamas, right? Pajamas <laughs> and cinnamon rolls. Yes. Pajamas and cinnamon rolls, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. that togetherness and, you know, it's something that has been a routine in your life for a really long time. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like school is in some ways, right? For, <laughs> for kids, the coming back to and, and all the feelings that accompany it. It's not just the event. It's, it's all everything else, you know, mm-hmm. that it means to you mm-hmm. and you want to share that with your kids. Yeah. And in this particular case, Alan has a different, well, he has different thoughts yeah. about conference now than he used to. So Alan, what are your thoughts? <laughs> For a while, you know, after going down the rabbit hole and you're, you're still trying to make things as far as your participation work. You actually, I actually, I'll talk personally, I actually became hyper-focused on, pre, on um, general conference and really wanted to listen to every single word that was spoken with, uh, sometimes with a critical ear, sometimes with a hopeful, please just say something that is helpful here. That lasted for probably three general conferences until last general conference just wasn't that interested anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was more you know of why? a... What, what made the change for you? I think just part of that, part of that grieving process, uh, acceptance started to creep in where it's this really, they, they don't speak to me anymore. And mm-hmm. I don't feel like, I don't feel like they have a message for me that will, that is uniquely able to help me. Okay. Not, not that there aren't messages that, you know, messages of service, but I can get those messages from someone else and from someone that I don't feel has betrayed my trust or someone mm-hmm. that also in other situations will teach things that I not only disagree with, but I feel are deeply hurtful in many ways. Mm-hmm. So I'll just, ex- I'm just ready to extract myself from that experience altogether and I can go listen to someone else teach about service and teach about love and teach about uh, all of the different things that you can get out of general conference. It's just now I, I, I don't have any desire to watch mm-hmm. it. I don't feel like mm-hmm. I need to. And so what about you know, the, the tradition part for you? I like... love the cinnamon rolls. <laughs> <laughs> well, for, for me, it's like, I mean, it's similar to, um, and it's another religious tradition, I guess, but it's very <laughs> secular, but it's similar to combining two families, uh, Christmases mm-hmm. in my family. It was a tradition to walk down the stairs and see the Christmas tree and take a picture of everyone's mouth agape with all the kids. And so we incorporated that into our family tradition and Katie had, um, traditions of opening pajamas, pajamas the night before. And so we, we created new traditions based on the old ones and kind of combined the effort. So for me, the traditions 
now, and this is going beyond what you asked, Claudine, but the tradition is like, let's take the traditions we like Mm -hmm. and let's make some new traditions with it. Let's make some cinnamon rolls and go on a hike, or let's make some cinnamon rolls and uh, deliver them to uh, people that are watching conference, even though we don't want to. And I'm not saying we, because maybe I'm, it's just me. It was, it's just you. <laughs> yeah. So how do you feel about that, Katie? I mean, I know that it's like good to make new traditions surrounding things that are like hard right now. Uh, there, I, I feel like, you know, like my family, I grew up watching Saturday conference sessions, both of them. It was, that was like a tradition and then when Alan and I got married, it, it he he didn't really do that. We didn't really do it on Saturdays. We just would go back and read them or watch mm-hmm. them later. And so I felt like I already, I don't want to say gave that up, but maybe that's what it is. Like kind of mm-hmm. gave that up. But like Sunday was like, okay, we can finally do it together. And and so it's it's hard for me to let go of that. Yeah, so it sounds like your experiences on the whole for conference then have been positive, mm-hmm. you know, throughout your life. Mm-hmm. And so what is it that you want your kids to experience with regard to that? I think like when it comes down to it is I I don't like the idea of like doing things separately, like you know, if we are watching conference together, like me watching with the kids and Alan being in a different room, I don't know, like, it just doesn't feel right. I want my kids to like, like have something like stable. And for some reason I associate, you know, conference as being like a stable thing that you do every year and Mm -hmm. it's a special time. And now that Alan doesn't feel like that's, the tradition he wants to hold to maybe I, I'm feeling insecure about it because it's not stable. It's, I don't know. I just, I don't know. It's just different. Yeah. So for sure change for both yeah. of you, really. Yeah. You know, and you're coming at this now with really in some ways a very different marriage than you had many years ago. I remember going to a, a Mormon stories retreat with uh, John Dillon and Natasha. One, one of the ideas that they brought up there was, you know, that everyone who's married either has, well, everyone has multiple marriages. I think they said at least three for some of us, it's to the same person. And for some of us, it's two different people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you know, because we change as humans, um, over time, and there are different stages in life. You know, there was the the relationship you guys had before you had kids, and maybe you could look at that as one marriage in a sense, you know, because what you had to negotiate was very different than once a child came into the picture. Now suddenly it's, you know, you have a zillion other things to consider. Yeah. Um, and maybe the change from one to two children isn't as great as zero to one, but it's still a change. And, you know, so you're at this stage in a sense where when Alan lost his faith, 
you know, it did bring about a significant change in your marriage. <laughs> you know, like having a new child or any other big event that could happen where now there's all these new things that need to be looked at and renegotiated and and decided you know, together if you want or, you know, separately. It's possible, you know, for each of you to decide, well, what will this mean? What do we want? What do I want as an individual? Sounds like Alan doesn't want to watch. Katie, if you could wave a magic wand, it sounds like you'd love Alan to watch and everyone to watch all day Saturday and Sunday. Is that right? Um. I, I can give up Saturday. I you just can Sunday. give that up. <laughs> just Sunday. Just, yeah, Sunday. just Sunday. Yeah. So, okay. So something happened last night. We we went to um, a little meetup, and there was it was it wasn't really a post Mormon meetup, but there were a no. lot of post Mormons there. Yeah. It was more of an event for my side of the fence. As we were driving home, I turned to Katie and said, "Thank you for supporting me in that. That was." really nice, a really nice evening. It could have ended up being very awkward for her and it wasn't thankfully, uh, but it could have been. And so she kind of put herself on, on out on a limb and I turned to her and said, how can I return the favor? What's the equivalent of me returning the favor? And we kind of talked about like, well, watching conference okay. <laughs> is kind of the returning the favor. And she asked, do you think you could do that? And and I said, oh, maybe I can bust out my Dodgers puzzle that she got me for and uh, like focus on that while I'm doing that. And here's what I don't think I'm able to do yet. I don't think that I'm able to listen to those messages without, without reacting to them. Not like vocally right there in the moment, but especially if we're going to have the kids listen, if there are things that, that are said that are deeply hurtful, I'm going to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those, if you want Alan to watch, you're going to get all of me, which is including my vocal points and my, the father side of me, which is going to teach the kids. I, this is what I really liked and this is what I really didn't. And we had an episode recently within the last couple of months where we just released the audio of a family conversation after church and we talked about all the things that we liked at church that day and the things we disagreed and didn't like at church. And all of us went around the circle. If I were to watch a conference session or two, I would feel the need to do that. And what do you think about that, Katie? I'm fine with that. My, my biggest thing is that like, he he has such an emotional reaction to things that are said that i mean it causes him to be hurt for the rest of the day and and i'm and i'm just yeah. no you're right that's you're right. I, i'm not like trying to be mean or anything but i don't like to see you in pain and i don't like you i don't like like to see you like be upset and and so you know, part of me is like, well, just let it go, Katie. Like he doesn't want to watch and you don't want him to get upset or, or grumpy. And so just, just let him not watch. And then part of me is like, but wait, this is something that we've always done together and we're not doing anymore. And, 
and that's hard for me. And so him want, I mean, he's like good man and he'll, he'll listen with me and I'm fine with him, you know, retorting or saying things that he, he does, he disagrees with to the kids. I don't, I don't have a problem with that, but I think it's like the emotional thing. It's just like the emotions that come out with it that I, I don't know. I, it's hard. A lot of the emotions have, uh, I don't want to say subsided, but reduced into amplification, deamplified. I don't know if that's what it is. Can you give me an example? What does that mean? Oh, so they're not as intense because exactly what you just described, Katie, like the fact that I am open with the kids now, I wasn't for a long time. And so hearing messages, especially messages when they were sitting next to me and I was unable to voice that discomfort with the message being shared made me much, it just bottled me up and made me very upset. And now I'm very open with the kids and we're all comfortable talking about disagreements with, with each other to the point where my daughter who's seven, long story short, just the other day said, well, I think it's all true. And just very nonchalantly. And, <laughs> and it was super cute. And we all smiled and laughed about it. So, I mean, like we're really comfortable. So for me, it, it truly is. I'm, I'm in this space where I'm almost to the point of throwing my hands up and going, eh, I just don't care anymore. So why would I want to watch? Cause I just don't care. But there's still that part of me that knows that if I watch, there's going to be some emotion involved with it. There's going to be a reaction. Um, it's a lot of it is, um, I'll stop my monologue here in a second. A lot of it is, is based on all the people that we talk to and knowing how these messages affect them. Um, knowing certain messages hit our family members ears in ways that make them think of us. And the concern is that they'll think of us as less than based on those messages. Mm -hmm. So it's, I mean, it's all very complicated. It's, it's not as simple as I don't agree with this message. It's saying the book of Mormon is true. And I don't think that's true. No, it's, it's much more, it's much deeper than that. Some of the messages. And so, yeah, anyway. So what, what is your worst? I like to go to the worst case scenario because then if it doesn't happen, it's totally fine, of course. Right. But if it does, then you have something in your tool bucket, you know, to use, to deal with. So let's just say, Alan, that you decide to watch a session or maybe even part of a session with Katie and that something is said, like, what is your worst case scenario? I think that worst case would be a talk that centered around, uh, that was directed to the children saying, if you have a parent that doesn't believe you have to get them to believe again, or you won't be with them again after Mm -hmm. this life. Mm -hmm. I think, I think my message that would make my kids feel like they weren't going to have me after Mm -hmm. this life Mm -hmm. would be a worst case scenario. I don't feel like any message would make Katie feel that way. So I'm not worried about a message making Katie feel that we are not going to make it. I think that ship has failed, has sailed and failed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what are your thoughts, Katie, about Alan's worst case scenario? Yeah. I, I kind of think that that talk happened. 
Yeah, I mean, it did. And we didn't watch conference with the kids, so we didn't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, my my thing is that, like, the kids are going to learn what they see in the home day to day. So if we are teaching them in our home, I don't remember hardly any. I mean, there's just not a lot that I remember, but I do remember that what I was taught in my home. And so, you know, if we if we said to them, we actually disagree you know, or whatever, I feel like that they would listen to us over, over a leader. And, and so I don't, I really like, don't feel like it would have a whole lot of weight to our kids. That's how I feel. So then my question is, where do we say, why expose them to the message in the first place? I mean, it's like, if they're, if they're going to listen to us, let's teach them that. And are we going to, are we going to play like Trump speeches on repeat just so we can tell them. It's, That's it's, an extreme exa- example. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I know. I, I'm trying to give the example of at what point do you put your hands up and say, why are we, why are we listening to these messages? We don't want them to learn. And I know I, maybe the answer is we're not talking about those messages. We're talking about the worst case example. We are talking about the worst case example. Right. And that's not the case in every single talk. I know. Let me ask you another question, just kind of to encompass this. Like, what do you want your kids to learn about emotions and traditions, you know, in your home? Like, it sounds like, you know, Alan, you're really worried about experiencing a particular emotion, you so let's say let's say that a talk came up in which someone said this worst case scenario yeah and suggested you know that you won't be together as a family eternally yeah and so and then what would you think about that message well i would think it was a load of garbage i wouldn't okay. believe, i wouldn't believe it so the message itself would just go ping off of me right Okay. So, so you're saying then at this point, you wouldn't have a reaction? I wouldn't, not to the message itself, but to the fallout of the message. And that Mm -hmm. happened last conference, talking with with family members who wholeheartedly believed the message. It clearly Mm -hmm. affected our relationships. How so? There was deep sadness because of the choices that I had made and we're not going to be together. And I'm like, don't you see that, that it's, it's this message that is making you feel this way. It's a, you know, the fear versus love approach. And we did an episode on that as well. And it's, it's not the message itself because I, I honestly can listen to the entire entirety of conference and me personally, if it was just me in a bubble, it's very easy for me just to say, no, nah, I just don't agree with that. No, I just mm-hmm. don't agree with that. Okay, but before... No, before it was very difficult. It was very difficult. And we have listeners who, who is going, they're going to feel negative emotion within based, themselves based, based on, the, on message. the message. So I mean, if we're talking about Alan, like maybe you've, oh, you've overcome that hurdle. But what about the people who have not been able to overcome that hurdle of hearing a message and feeling a negative emotion. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I teach all of my clients is that, you know, because somebody speaks words, even in this case, 
a general conference, okay? <laughs> there are human beings that come up to the pulpit and they give talks. So they're just speaking. Now, as we listen, we are going to interpret those words and what they mean, what they mean about us, what they mean about our relationships, what they mean about the world, what they mean about the state of the church. All of these things will, we will, most of us have a near instantaneous interpretation that just seems to show up so quickly that, you know, it's what Alan is talking about when he says reaction. I know I'm going to have a reaction or in the past I've had a reaction. So President Nelson speaks words, you, but what really happens is you have thoughts or you have what I call interpretations, which are, you know, thoughts you've previously had that you bring this, all of this life experience. So maybe Alan brings all the life experience he's had listening to post-Mormons who have had thoughts about what these words mean in their relationships. So something's going to happen in your mind as you hear the words and you can either just allow whatever shows up to show up and you can feel the emotion. And really all emotions are just physiological vibrations in our body. When we are in physical danger, our emotions will just kind of kick in and our bodies react, you know? So if you're driving down the road and a car swerves into your lane, you know, your body will react before you have a chance to think. And that's a really good thing. It, uh, it can help us in that moment um, to survive. When we're not in physical danger, though, this is what we call emotional danger. We're not actually in danger. <laughs> Those physiological vibrations, you know, will come and go and change. As human beings, we just, we feel all kinds of emotions. Um, none of us want to feel those that we think of as negative or uncomfortable. We're like wired to want to resist those, but they don't harm us in the way we think they do. And in fact, it's the resisting them or the fearing them that causes them to feel even bigger than they are. So, you know, President Nelson, I'm saying him because that's the talk you guys brought up. And I know a lot of people, both believers and non-believers, struggled with his message the last time, right? And Katie, you and I talked about this a little bit on our phone call the other day. We all agree, I think, both believers and non-believers, that Russell M. Nelson is a human being. He brings his life experiences with him to his calling or to his role as president of the church. And he tends to be more on the, the letter of the law. You know, he's a letter of the law type guy. He most likely will continue to give messages that are similar to the ones he's given in the past. So as you look at conference, you can decide ahead of time how you want to think about his messages. 
and what meaning you're going to give them. I know it sounds kind of crazy, and it took me a while to really process this and to get, to really get it. Um, And that is that even the post-Mormons who are upset about what he says, whatever's happening is actually coming from their own brain, Hmm. not from Russell M. Nelson. Now, I'm not saying this in terms of to blame anybody for anybody's feelings. It's not about blame. (laughs) What I'm suggesting is that when you acknowledge that, you get your power back because you realize you get to decide how you want to think about it, how much power you want to give away to those things. Um, Alan, what are you thinking there? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking like, what does this look like in, you know, if I went into last conference and president Nelson's talk, Mm-hmm with kind of that mentality that you just walked through of, I get to decide what I think, Mm -hmm. what I, what I don't want to interpret what you're saying is as like, I can, I can decide what he means. I can decide to either believe it, reject it, how I react. I certainly can, can choose how I react and what I Mm -hmm. think about it. I don't know that the outcome would have been much different for me personally I mean, I didn't, Katie had a harder time with that talk than I did at that point. And um, I didn't. Yeah. Katie, what were your thoughts about it? Uh, That was a hard one to listen to. Um, It felt a little bit manipulative. Um, I, I think like in the moment, I, it somehow made me feel bad about my my family mm. and that like we were less than because of Alan's where Alan was, where I was mm-hmm. that, that people, and this is so not true, but I've seen people that aren't of the faith pass away in complete peace. And the talk that was given like made me think about not having peace when I die for some reason, because, Mm. you know, maybe I, I I hadn't checked all the boxes or my spouse hadn't. And so when I die, I'll, I'll regret it. And, and that made me feel bad. And, and it, you know, quite honestly um, made me worry about what does death look like in a mixed faith marriage, especially for someone who doesn't hopes for an afterlife, but doesn't really, maybe believe in an afterlife. And, and so that was really like, like large wounds and things that we hadn't even discussed. And then when it was brought to the forefront in a talk, all of a sudden I'm feeling like, Oh my gosh, what is my death or what is my husband's death going to look like? And, and so it it brought up a, a whole new dynamic between us um, because you know, it's just something that we hadn't discussed before. Mm -hmm. Right. So your, and how, how did you feel when you thought that President Nelson is speaking to you 
you know, as if you're, and I'm just trying to use your words here, less than, as if your family is less than. Or it made me, it made me feel like, like I didn't have a place. Mm, Okay. I've been wanting to have a place and I didn't have a place. Right. And, And that really bothered me. So, so that was your, what we call your default interpretation of what his message meant. So when you've had that interpretation and you believe it, then you, you know, it, that's what leads you to feel bad. Because you can imagine, you know, what would it be like if you didn't think of it that way? You know, it's, it's because you interpreted his words to mean certain things that led you to have the emotions that you did. Mm-hmm. And this is where all of our power really is, is recognizing that, you know, something does go on in our brain that leads to our emotions. And there's always more than one way to look at something. There always is. <laughs> and if we don't, if we just, if we feel sad and we want, sometimes we want to feel sad. There, there's nothing wrong with feeling sad. Um, the gift of sadness for many of us is it slows us down. It connects us to the moment that we're living in. In some ways, more than positive emotions. You know, we remember these times that we're sad or we're in pain more than we do some of the others. Sometimes our emotions are a signal to us that we want to consider taking an action. You know, in this particular case, what do you want to believe about President Nelson's words? Is what I would ask both of you. What do you want to make them mean? How much credibility maybe do you want to give them? And, and, or do you want, what kind of interpretation do you want to bring with you as you consider them? Because even from an LDS, like full believing point of view, you know, the, the scriptures, the message is that, you know, fear doesn't come from God. So if you're feeling fear, (laughs) You know, perhaps that would be your signal to question if that's what God really, is that the message God really wants for you? You know, because when you're feeling fear, what does that lead you to do, Katie? When I feel fear, I feel upset. I mean, my emotions kind of take over. Do you lose trust when you feel fear? <sighs> yeah. In, in what? Did that talk hurt your trust in me? I don't know. I, so it's hard because I feel like I feel like when I initially listened to it, I was like sobbing, having a really hard time with it. And then I like went back and read it again. And I and I like I, I felt like I was in a, like a better mental space and I could just like look at the whole and mm-hmm. I could say, okay. Like this is, he like 100% believes this is true. I can see the body of the text, what, what he was, the point he was trying to get across, but I don't, I do not agree with the delivery, how it was delivered. 
Mm-hmm. I thought that that that's what I had an issue with. And so I don't know. I don't know about the distrust. So how did it impact your marriage? Alan was kind of a saint. He didn't say anything. He just let me feel my emotions and held me. And he didn't, he didn't say, I told you so. Or he just, he was a really good supportive spouse when I was feeling like I was having a hard time. That was really helpful for me. I, I needed him to just comfort me. Um, so I felt like if anything, it brought us closer together. Is that bad? Ironically. (laughs) Ironically. Uh Um, Because he, he responded in the perfect way. Hold on. This is mind blowing. (laughs) His whole talk was families need to be closer and better and closer together. And Uh it did that. And it worked. Uh Oh my God. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I stand corrected. (laughs) I wanted to ask you a couple of things. At what point do we, do we need to hold the speaker of the words responsible for what they're saying? There's a lot of unkind things that can be said that can really hurt people. Mm -hmm. Right. At what point? Yes, we can interpret it the way that we want, but, and it kind of, my second question goes with it of when is anger Mm-hmm. an appropriate response. I mean, yes. if, there, if there's, if there is something that is said that I interpret as I am choosing to interpret this as harmful, as a threat mm-hmm. to uh, my family or a threat to uh, the LGBT community. And I choose anger and I choose to be vocal. I'm going to go talk about this online. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call my brother and tell him that I didn't appreciate this message or whatever, it, whatever it is. Anger is one of our trickiest emotions. People talk about fear being, you know, the fight or flight type emotion, but really fear is flight or freeze. To fight, we need anger. If there is a saber-toothed tiger that comes into your home and wants to eat your children, (laughs) your brain makes a calculation that the best way for you to survive or at least your children to survive, you know, when you're willing to die, if you have to, for the sake of your tribe or, or something that you care about, that's when you fight, right? That's, that's the natural response to a physical danger. So in this particular case, though, when it's an emotional danger, we're worried about people experiencing, you know, emotional pain. There are several ways you can go about responding to that. Anger itself, what does it feel like in your body, Alan? Do you know? For Alan, he like grits his teeth. I grit my teeth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It feels okay. like I'm, I'm tensing up. I'm... He wants... To, I'm, he usually will punch I'm ready, a pillow or I'm a ready to. Yeah. I'm ready to take violent action. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, you know, anger sends signals to our body to get ready for that fight for that saber tooth tiger. (laughs) Right. So the blood actually leaves the prefrontal cortex of the brain. It goes into our hands and feet. For some of us, it makes us feel more powerful. Some of us feel a surge, you know, an energy. You also get chemicals that go down into your body that cause you to hyper-focus 
on what you perceive as the threat, which makes a lot of sense if you're fighting that tiger. You don't want to be noticing the birds flying by. <laughs> this is not the time to, you know, check out the scenery. You need all of your energy and resources if you're going to survive. But when it's and Russell M. Nelson says words, in that particular case, the moment of anger is not the best time to take action. It's better to feel it, to notice it, to, to really understand how it works in your own body so you can sense it, start to arise, and take note. And then there, I really tend to suggest people give themselves a little space, maybe write, write down your thoughts. What, what are you thinking at the time you're angry? We don't ever get angry about things that we don't value. One gift of anger is it can get you in touch with something that you care about. It can remind you of what's important to you. For many post-Mormons, one of the things that reminds us is that we don't think the same way that we used to, or we don't see things the same way that some individuals, some leaders within the church see those things. The anger's that signal, oh, we're different. At the very minimum, it can remind you, oh, I'm not Mormon anymore for you, Alan. <laughs> Mentally, right? I don't see the world through, through that lens anymore. So besides that, anger is a signal you can use to question whether or not you might want to take action. You know, so it's a personal signal to you. Yeah. What do you want to do? I, I really, really want to emphasize that point. I really like that point you made on don't act out when you're experiencing the anger, when you're experiencing that emotion. Make note of it. Recognize you it, recognize it, it let it pass. Yeah. And then if you need to take action, take action. Yeah. So feel it really allow yourself to feel it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with the case of, you know, the words of Russell M. Nelson, you know, some of the questions you might want to ask is if my family heard this message, how are they thinking about it? How are they feeling? Maybe an action you might want to take is to check in with them. And say, you know what, I heard this talk. I know that when the prophet of the church speaks, you take those words very seriously. And I'm concerned about how you might be feeling, you know, considering I don't believe the same way I used to. You know, how are you feeling? Yeah, you did that? Yeah, I reached out to two family members that strongly believe it and, and asked them. And one of them went pretty good and the other one went pretty pretty hard. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and what is, what is pretty good and pretty hard mean? What does it look like for, for you? Well, one of them, I think the one that went quote good was more of a understanding. What, well, like, yeah, I completely understand how you would feel in that situation. And the other one was the hard one was more. Yeah, this is, this is tearing me apart where you're at. And mm -hmm. that talk basically is just a reminder of how sad it's going to be if we're not together again. Mm. Therein lies the frustration with the message and how it was delivered. What did you think when you heard that family member say that? I thought this is not fair mm. that this, this person, 
uh, speaking of President Nelson, has such a tight grasp on the relationship between two family members. Like mm. in, in 15 minutes, a relationship can be seriously strained by what he decides to say. And that's extremely frustrating coming from this side of the fence. So how so, though? Really, Alan, how is it that this relationship was hurt? I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, that your family member was feeling pain because of what your family member was thinking right. about words but how did that like actually manifest in a harming your relationship not as frequent conversations uh tiptoeing around many topics not wanting to talk about many things so frequency of contact i think is probably the number one thing Uh, on your part or is it a him or her did you say him it's one of the two (laughs) oh okay Yes. Okay. So that's totally fine. I, I'm just trying to simplify my own pronouns here. And, and to be fair, I think that's past. I, mm-hmm. I think that the effects of that, that talk even less than six months later have, have passed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think for both people, it was very hard for different reasons in the weeks following. Those emotions, it's emotions that drive our actions. Right. So... If you're feeling, you know, fear or sadness or hurt, you know, often many of us do withdraw because, you know, that's the natural reaction from those emotions. If, in fact, you want to maintain a relationship, though, despite that, you still, you can, you can look at it and decide, how do I want to show up for this family member? How do I want to be there for that person in, in this case, Alan, for you, in this life? Because that's what you do have control over. You know, what we can decide as individuals is how do we want to show up? What kind of son or daughter do we want to be? What kind of brother or sister do we want to be? What kind of friend do we want to be? What kind of cousin, right? How do we want to show up in the relationship? We often give so much energy to what the other person is thinking. And if, in fact, the other person is afraid, you know, one of the kindest, most loving things we can do is to help them recognize that we are still going to show up as a loving individual for them, you know, on their behalf. That there isn't anything they could fear or say or do that will cause us on our half, because that's the part we can control, right? To stop loving them. Right. So if they say, you know, Alan, I'm scared because I'm, you know, it's going to be so sad in eternity if you're not there. How would you like respond to something like that? Or how would you want to? Oh, I'll be there. And I'll be there to give (laughs) you a big old hug. I, I think like you could tell them how much you love them and care for them and value their relationship. And I, I don't know, you'll like continue to love and support them yeah. no matter what. And I mean, just sort of that reaffirming. I'm not, I've not gone anywhere. I'm still here. I'm still. And all of this is taking me back to, I just don't need to hear any of it because it's much easier for me just to not 
give my time, effort, and emotions to something I don't really care about anymore mm-hmm. so that I can just continue my relationships without having to navigate all of that. Right. So if like, it, that is, what were no, you I mean, but that's why we're doing this is because we live in a mixed faith marriage and, and I feel differently. And so that's what we're sitting here like trying to work out. Right. Oh, I, like, I know. Yeah. yeah. I know. So I get, I hear you, Alan, you don't need to hear the words and they don't need to mean what they used to, to you. Right. Right. So Katie's not even asking at this point. She's not saying, Alan, you need to listen to the words. She's saying, I would like, she's making a request, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Tell me if I'm wrong, Katie. No, you're right. You're right. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, the gift of your presence. The gift of you showing up in the same room to eat cinnamon rolls in your pajamas. At least for, for some amount of time, maybe. that she, she would like your presence there. Do you need him to listen, Katie, or do you just need his body? Ooh, answer that question. <laughs> Fully loaded. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, I think, like, to me, part of the tradition is, like, the presence. And I know where he's at, and I know how he feels. So if he was sitting there doing a, his Dodgers puzzle with the kids, and we're all just kind of there together, mm-hmm. um, that would be good enough for me. Okay. What if he wore earplugs? I'm just asking. Um. I mean, it wouldn't be so far off from what church is like. <laughs> <laughs> so if he showed up, ate cinnamon rolls, no. wore earplugs, and I worked on a puzzle. Yeah, I and mean, he, could, he could wear ear. I don't know. I what don't if, what if he scratched your back and wore earplugs? Would that work for you? If, if I'm in the room, I'm going to listen, and we're going to talk about it. But that's, that's just how mm-hmm. it is. That's just how it is. Okay, I, okay. So, and are you good with that, Katie? I am. Yeah. Are you? I am. I mean, I, I can do it. I'm not going to love it. <laughs> how about how can we negotiate so, on maybe just like the first hour of the first session? When you think about a request or how he feels, and I am curious, Alan, you know, if you feel like if she makes a request, can you say no? I personally right now feel like I can. Mm-hmm. I think that that she would be open to me saying no. I know that there may be a number of people listening that don't feel like they're in that situation. So maybe, I don't know, for the, for the sake of their situation, I can say, no, I don't feel like I can't say no. But I honestly <laughs> right? do. I honestly feel like if I told Katie, like, I understand that this is important to you, I, I don't think I can do it. I, I feel like you would understand that. Yeah. And it would be hard. Yeah, I mean, I maybe. Would- Hard, maybe not even hard. I don't know. I, I think know. we're at the place now where I would be understanding and I would say, okay, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's fine. That's your choice. But for those people out there who either feel like they can't say no, or it's a difficult to even ask the question between the, the spouse and um, the couple, um, mm-hmm. what, what are some things that they can do or think about regarding that? Yeah. So, yeah, when you make a request, there is some vulnerability there when it's a real request, yeah. <laughs> you know, a will you, will you consider? And, you know, because you're in a position where they might say yes and they might say no. And for the other person, you know, it can be challenging if to say 
to think about what you want even. So right. you're already focused on, you know, that they want you to say yes. Exactly. So you, you put what, what you know they want the answer to be above what you're even thinking you want. <laughs> you know, all of us who have spent a lot of time in Mormon culture have had a lot of practice yes. feeling like it's super <laughs> important to consider the other person's needs, even above our own. Yet in these circumstances, you know, for two people to really come together to have emotional intimacy, you need to be able to be separate and different as well. You need to be able to say no so that you can also say yes when you want to, that it means something, you know, in both cases. So both the person who is, you know, making the request might want to think about how they want to interpret it if that request is declined. So if you ask Alan, does he want to watch? He says, no. You know, how do you think about it now, Katie? I want what's best for his mental health. So I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. So you're not making it mean, oh, he doesn't love me. He doesn't yeah, care about me, right? So, right. but some people do, mm-hmm. you know, or they go to, oh no, he will never, ever consider this in the future, you know, to going to catastrophizing. That's, that's normal. A lot of us do that, but it's not particularly helpful or useful, mm-hmm. you know, especially in these kinds of scenarios where, you are differentiating a bit. You noticing that he's having a different opinion about the church. It's super important, I think, for you to get grounded. And that doesn't mean he has a different opinion about me. So that's what I really recommend for you, Alan, no matter what you decide about conference, if you want to watch it or not watch it, that you make a decision of what you want and then own it no matter what it is. So if you chose to watch because Katie asked you and you decide, you know what, I want to do this and I'm doing it because she asked me and that's a good enough reason, then you own it all. You know, you own everything that happens. I chose to be here. I'm not here because I have to. I'm here because I chose it. It always feels so much different than if you're doing it because you feel like you're under obligation. Right. Yeah. You know, or if you decide not to, in this case, to say no and to have your own back, meaning you don't have to beat yourself up or think you're a bad husband. That's that's not useful either. And we tend to go there like we make these little decisions mean a lot sometimes and we don't necessarily have to. I promise there are families that if they don't have, you know, a good knock down, drag out debate about something over the course of a week, you know, feel like something's gone wrong. (laughs) Some people, you know, they're totally fine with conflict. I think it's intense in Mormon culture that somehow we pick up that all conflict has to be a problem. It's totally okay to be in conflict and not have it mean anything about the relationship. I think we've seen that with just the mixed faith marriage and all the, all the conversations you're forced to have is that you're drawn closer together when, as you work through that conflict, it's actually a a very positive thing 
if handled properly. Yeah. So I also think another thing that can be useful for some people is to name their fears as they're noticing them with, with one another. So if you were a little nervous, Alan, about saying no, then you could say, you know, Katie, I'm, I'm nervous or I'm scared that if I say no, that you'll think it means that I don't care about you. You know, I really do care about you. Of course I do. And I want to be a good husband. And this is really hard for me to say no. And so just naming it and putting it out there can be so helpful rather than letting it just spin in your brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how would you recommend Katie to that for, for those in your situation who are believers, is it hard for you to make a request? I think at first it was hard for me to make the request. Feelings are super raw. I know he has like no interest in listening to conference. And, and in the beginning, um, it, I felt like it was really hard for me to even say like, hey, do you want to... I felt like I was trying to tiptoe around his feelings. Mm-hmm. And I want to protect his feelings, but something that I want. And do I have the right to even ask that of him? And so in the beginning, it definitely was a hard thing to even ask. Yeah, you guys have worked really hard, I think, to get there. And it's not easy. There's so many little things that need to be renegotiated. I think recognizing that these conversations can be challenging and not expecting that you have them in any kind of perfect way. Um, Giving yourself permission to stop and start just keep coming back to it as you, because you're both figuring yourself out at the same time as you're trying to figure out the other one in, in the midst of the changes. Alan, what would you need to just, let's just go to fantasy land for a minute. Let's just, let's contemplate the idea that like these moments in general conference could be at, at minimum neutral, if not pleasant. Let's just, let's pretend for a sec, okay? If you were having a good time, what, you know, let's say it wasn't conference. Let's say, what do you like to watch? Do you like football or? Baseball, the Dodgers. Baseball, okay. All right. So let's, let's pretend it's the Dodgers game instead that she had invited you to. Mm. So she says, Alan, Dodgers game is on. Like, I really want you to be there with me and the kids. Can we all watch it together as a family? What would you think? I would weep tears of joy. Because why? How would you, what would you interpret that experience? Like, what would you make it mean? Well, I mean, this is, this has happened because she has said, turn the Dodger game on. Isn't the Dodger game on? And I just mm-hmm. go, oh, let's do it. Let's turn it on. Mm-hmm. Because how did, how did you feel when she asked you? She's thinking about something that I love and she wants me to, she wants to enjoy it mm-hmm. with me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> Katie, I, I love, love it. <laughs> I'm like throwing my hands up in the air for all of you listeners. Like, yes, yes, I've yeah. Never, I've never so, heard Coley talk about sad heaven, though. <laughs> what I want you to know, and I know it's going to sound a little crazy, is that your feeling of elation came really from the way your brain was interpreting her invitation. And what you decided to make it mean. And you pre-decided you were going to enjoy the Dodgers game. Like you've decided that about yourself. 
you've decided that her invitation was a loving action. You may not know it with sentences in your head, but like immediately your brain registers all of those things. So right now you're pre-registering, you know, negative associations with conference, but both of those experiences, no matter how you register these things, it's coming from the way you have pre-decided to interpret. Now, there's nothing wrong with your interpretations. I'm not suggesting you have to change them. I am, though, suggesting that you have, if you want to feel a little bit better about watching General Conference, it's possible. And what it would mean for you is to consider a, a slightly different interpretation. Are you interested in that? You don't have to be. Like, if you, like, seriously, I'm not saying you have to. But if you want to, let's, let's just explore it. In the moment, like, let's see if we can get you to just maybe a neutral place. Yeah. Right? So, you know, we don't need to go to jumping up and down. This is like a Dodgers game. But it would be super nice if you didn't have to think of it as being a miserable experience. Like a Giants game. <laughs> yeah, a Giants. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, so let's just get curious together for just a minute. If you needed to, what could you possibly find interesting about the experience this time of watching with your family? I don't know. There, there could be, there could be good messages. Uchtdorf could say something profound, and that could be nice. Um, they could retract the word of wisdom, and the coffee I have in my <laughs> house all of a sudden be cool again. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of goods. Do you like the music? I love the music. Music's fine. I could, yeah, I've got some, I've got some personal friends. Jim Bennett is in the, I like Jim Bennett. He's in the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, choir, um, girl I grew up with in in high school is in the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Let's, let's go to the room that conference would be played in, in your home. Okay. I want you to like smell those cinnamon rolls. Mm, I like that. Okay, look around the room and look at your family, look at your kids, look at your wife. Like, there's going to be somebody talking on the TV, and you can pay attention to it as much as you want or not, but there you are, all together as a family. How do you want to think about that moment, or how would you want to feel? Maybe I should ask you that. How do you want to feel in that moment that you happen to all be in the same room together? eating cinnamon rolls, no matter what's on the TV. Right. It's time together. What if you could use this as an opportunity to show your children, you know, that, I mean, there's a variety of ways we can go here, but like you get to feel however you feel. If you happen to hear a talk that you have thoughts about that lead you to feel happy, you can share that. If you happen to hear a talk that leads you to have thoughts that lead you to feel sad. You can share that. You could use this as an opportunity to explore emotions with your kids. Claudine, um, just as a side note, speak to maybe those out there who cannot be as public because 
maybe their their wife um, is just learning about their faith crisis and mm. so they, they don't know a whole lot as well as, you know, what if the children um, are there in the room, but they haven't talked to the children yet about dad's faith or mom's faith crisis or how they mm-hmm. feel. So they can't be open. They can't um, without giving too much away, right? Um, how, what are some tools that, you know, those people are going to go into, maybe they're with their extended family watching and nobody knows. Maybe this is just a personal thing for me, but I really don't like to use the word can't Mm -hmm. because, you know, the truth is they, if they want to, they can share whatever they want to with their family. Now, what is out of their control is how their family will think (laughs) and how they will feel about whatever it is that they share. I would, if somebody's new to a faith crisis, I would really encourage them to allow themselves to feel. And as they welcome that, it's an opportunity to get to know themselves better. People who are not yet feeling ready to talk about a faith change. Maybe, you know, this is very new for them and they're very concerned about what those around them may think and that maybe they don't even know fully (laughs) what, what they think or where they are yet. That's a really challenging place to be. Um, For me personally, I called it a realiquake (laughs) that, that time I had to give it its own emotion because it was so intense. Some people feel kind of numb. Other people just feel a whole bunch of emotions more intensely than they've ever felt before. (laughs) Quite a spectrum. So if you are in that particular situation, the first thing I would say is just to meet yourself with as much compassion as you can possibly muster. And realize it is a hard time and it won't always be quite so challenging. You will figure it out. And I would just suggest that you give yourself permission to get through conference however it is that you need to. Um, For some people, journaling can be very useful. I would also suggest maybe that at least... If you're nervous that somebody might say something to you and you're not ready to talk about it, to come up with an answer ahead of time that you will say in that moment, you know, which could just be, you know, I've got a lot on my mind. I'm not in the place I really want to talk about it right now. Could we talk about it later? So, you know, that's totally great to give yourself whatever space you need. This podcast has been focused on we're going to watch conference. How can that be easier for the person whose values have shifted? Mm-hmm. How would this have looked different or would it have looked different if instead we were talking about the situation of we're not going to watch conference? Mm-hmm. How can Katie have a better attitude about that? Right. Would right. It be the same conversation, the same tools, what you just said, how can this be, how can this bring my family closer together? Because what I, what we have to be, constantly conscious of and and concerned about is I'm hearing a lot of of the post-Mormons that listen to this podcast saying, oh, great. Now my wife is going to say, or my husband is going to say, you have to listen to this. Mm -hmm. This is going to help you watch conference with me when that is not something that 
that marriage needs or that that person wants. Right. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is just one option yep. for yep. you to watch conference. And that's a great point, right? Yep. So there's so many different ways you guys could work this out. Or, you know, it could be that you wouldn't watch any conference, neither of you. It could be that um, if Katie has some particular pieces, she decides she'd really like to watch with her kids, your kid, you know, later. Yeah. You, that she brings that to them um, or asks at a future time, maybe after listening, maybe she might pick a talk that she thinks is positive and uplifting. She might run up, you know, check with you. Hey, Alan, do you think this particular talk would be okay for us all to watch together? And that that's another way to go about it. Um, or maybe you decide to create your own rituals and do something totally different. That's just going to be the Mount family what is it? Is it semi-annual, biannual? I always get those mixed up. <laughs> I know. I don't, I don't know what <laughs> Semi-annual, I think. Anyway, twice a year, the Mount family tradition will, will be, there's, you know, something that you guys will all do. Maybe it will be that you will pick something that you both agree on that has some strong values to it to watch. Maybe it will be a movie or something that you want to watch all together and discuss. But it's something that, you know, if Katie cares about values being taught, maybe you will find a different medium to use to teach those particular values to your kids. There are times when we all need to just set some boundaries and, and say for ourselves, you know, I get it. I, my, my emotions do come from the way I'm interpreting it. I get it, that it's my job, but right now I just am not there and I don't want to do it. I, I don't want to do the extra work to think deliberately. I, I just really want to give myself some space and some time to do other things. And all of that is legitimate too. So, you know, it's everybody's individual journey and each of you, probably, I, I really recommend that you each think through it for yourself, decide what you want, hear from the other person what they want, and decide if you either of you want to make a request of the other and hear each other about what you value and why. That's good advice. Yeah. And, and take your time, you know, recognizing that if you can't come to an agreement, you know, you each as individuals can pick something for you as individuals as well. And I get it. You guys have kids too. So that has to be, you know, negotiated. There's so many different ways to do that. And it doesn't have to necessarily be this weekend. How do you, how are you feeling after like? I, I'm going to be, that was very difficult for me Yeah. to talk about. It really was because I, like the whole time I was, I'm, I'm thinking, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and uh, when you were just saying at the very end, I was thinking, I don't know why I thought about someone walking down the streets of Manhattan, but I did. I thought of like, if I stopped a random person in Manhattan and said, Hey, are you going to watch general conference this weekend? They would say, what, what are you talking about? I have, I have no idea what that is. And I have no interest. Like that's who, that's where I want to be. I just don't want to care. Yeah. That's just a side point of what was going through my mind when you were just doing that wrap up, Claudine. But 
that, no, it was a difficult conversation because I think it, it pointed to a lot of the conversation was about me doing something that I just don't want to give the effort to, but also like, I recognize that I didn't know that, that this tradition was so important to you. And it's something that I can absolutely, I personally can go through any discomfort or negative emotion that I experience, even do my best to choose how I react and the emotions that I feel and how I interpret to make it a more enjoyable experience for you. Like I, I, if, if we're going to end up watching any amount of conference together, all of my efforts would be to benefit your experience in this, not my own. And so, I mean, I, I can do that. Mm-hmm. One of the things I told Alan um, and I told Claudine this is I, and one tradition that I've had with my mom and sisters is to go to women's conference. And that's something that we like to do. We go to dinner and that's a good tradition that I can keep doing because I'm still in and I want to go to that. Mm-hmm. And um, it doesn't involve Alan or the kids. I feel like that is a good one, especially for this conference that I'll be able to have. So maybe that'll be enough. I don't know. I certainly don't want to make Alan do anything he doesn't want to do, even though, you know, I, I know he's like willing to sit through an hour of cinnamon rolls and a Dodger puzzle while conference is on. You know, I, I think like so much of this, like I said before, is, is tied to tradition, which is why it makes it just so hard. And um, Claudia and I like that you talked about creating new traditions in your family and surrounding general conference. If you decide that, um, yeah, and I, I hope that the listeners don't think like this was all a ploy to get the non-believers or the, the ones that are that like Alan um, to to just, you know, grab them to to see it our way or anything. That's not it. But I, I like um, what Claudine said. It's 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 a mind shift. And, you know, you can really connect your emotions to what you're thinking and how you're feeling and how much power you have over that. And so um, I think that those are tools that you not only can use in this instance, but in so many, so many facets, right, Mm -hmm. Um, in your mixed faith marriage. So um, anyway, I really appreciate you, Claudine, for all that you said and all that you brought up, it, it certainly is thought provoking. I'm sure it's something we'll be talking about all week as we decide to how we're going to move forward. Curiosity is one of my favorite emotions. If you can just move to curiosity and begin to start asking yourself, what would it be like if, you know, for both of you, what would it be like if we just gave up general conference, Katie? and started our own Mount family traditions. And, you know, I figure out, I'm saying I for you, but um, I figure out a different way to share the pieces of general conference that mean something to me, you know, whatever aspects of that tradition I want to pass on. And what, what could it look like for you guys? These are challenging questions. Whenever you're dealing with tradition, I hear you, Alan. It's, uh, you, are, you are like many, many post-Mormons who at some point you just want a, a break. You want to move away you don't, from the church. Right. But because people you love still believe you are in a situation where conference will be part of 
the talk in your town, at least probably for a while. Claudine, yes. thank you so much for joining us on Marriage on a Tightrope. Mm-hmm. Will you come back sometime? Oh, of course. Yes. <laughs> Claudine, if people want to be coached by you or would like to get more information or contact you, how can they do that? Through my website, um, postmormonmentalhealth.com. I have a contact page. I also have a Facebook page. And so people can contact me that way as well. And you're on Instagram, right? I am trying to be on Instagram. Thanks <laughs> yeah. to you, Katie. <laughs> I am I'm learning Instagram. I'm still a little bit Instagram challenged, but I do have an account and I'm working towards it. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and talking us through some of these really hard things that everyone's going to be experiencing, all of our listeners this weekend. And so hopefully it's given them some ideas, things to think about, and maybe even just put them more at ease, hopefully feel less anxiety over, over the looming, this big looming thing mm-hmm. that they either have or haven't talked about. Right. So anyway, we really appreciate you coming on. Yeah. That was the interview with Claudine Gallagher, a little coaching moment for everybody. We want to thank her one last time for joining us. And if you would like to send us an email, you can do so at marriageonatightrope at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram by the same name and our Facebook group by the same name. Katie, anything left to say to our wonderful people? I think I said it all. Keep <laughs> <laughs> Wow. At least, at least for tonight. Keep walking that tightrope, everybody. <laughs>